This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Alcohol Experiment, a free 30-day challenge designed to interrupt your patterns, give you control, restore your health, and put you back in touch with the version of you who doesn't need alcohol to cope, relax, or enjoy life. More than 220,000 people have already tried The Alcohol Experiment for themselves and have seen improved sleep, increased happiness, reduced anxiety, and so much more. Join thousands in this inspiring, hopeful, and exciting program where you examine your beliefs and reconnect with the best version of you without ever feeling like you're missing out. Start today for free at alcoholexperiment.com. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. My name is Scott Pinyard, and I am the head coach of this Naked Mind, and I am back with another edition of Coaching Questions, this time with another incredible coach. It is Rob Woolman. How's it going, Rob? Uh, it's going fantastic, Scott. So excited to be here. And thank you so much for inviting me on. So Rob specializes in shifting your mindset. Um, and I know, you know, it's really funny for me in my own journey. Um, I kind of like heard those words before, but I didn't fully understand the power of it. Um, explain that to us a little bit. Like what exactly is a mindset and what does it mean to shift it? Yeah, and I love what you just said about not understanding the power of it, because I think if you'd have said to me a couple of years ago, when I was in the throes of what was a really thorny alcohol problem, oh, just shift your mindset and you'll get out of it, you know, just change your thoughts, I would have said, yeah, right. I mean, no, I, I, I you know, I couldn't see that clear path. Um, but by the same token, the paths that were being offered to me, they didn't make sense to me either. Um, so when I boil it down to a simple phrase, and it, not that it's simple, I'll get to that in a second. But when I boil it down to a simple phrase, it would be your thoughts are powerful and you have power over your thoughts. Mm. A very simple phrase, but really profound. Again, now that I've started adapting, adopting a practice of really managing my thoughts, unbelievable, the shifts in my life. We were just talking before we started recording about how far I've come in, yeah. in a really short amount of time. I and mean, it's phenomenal. Now, I, I, I call it simple. It's, it's simple, but it's not easy. And, and, and even though it's simple, I think it's complex. And I know that sounds completely contradictory. I know exactly but, what you mean, though. It's right, totally fine. right. Yes, yeah. So there are multiple, in my experience and what I find, and I keep deepening this the more I, I practice with clients and such, that there are multiple pieces to mindset shift. So, so it's, it's really useful to think of it on, on several levels, if you will. Um, so it's like, that's one thing. And I'll also say that mindset shift is actually just one piece of the puzzle. There's other yeah. pieces of the puzzle when you're talking about how to confront an alcohol problem or any problem for that matter that you really you know, find you wanna shift in your life. Um, so I like to make a distinction between content and structure. So for content, shifting mindset meant, you know, we're so familiar with this work. If you're familiar with the naked mind work at all, going into each and every reason why you drink, drink, drank or drink, <laughs> for example. Yeah. And really looking at it and questioning it and getting, you know, stepping back and getting curious about it and asking, 
you know, hmm, where, what's this belief I'm carrying around? Where did it come from? Is it true? Is it absolutely true? And what happens if I would embrace a different thought, a different, you know, way of looking at things? And then it's not just a question of the embracing the thought, but then what actions can I take to, to kind of like, you know, it's no, it's no accident that it's called the alcohol experiment. Like, how can I experiment with this to bring me some more data to then maybe make some new interpretations? You know, mm -hmm. for example, I felt like alcohol was without question going to be part of my life for my entire life. Yeah. I mean, and even when I signed up and, and I like to call myself the poster boy for the alcohol experiment because, <laughs> because I took my last drink, you know, I signed up for the very first live alcohol experiment, January 1st, 2019. I, that was my last drink. <laughs> I mean, that's all it took, which kind of blows my mind because it, you know, it's not necessarily everyone's story, but it was mine. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was able to effectively shift my mindset. Now I just lost my train of thought. That's all right. No, I was going to, I was going to ask you me get back on. about mindset that I find really interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's like how pervasive it is, right? So you mentioned this idea that changing right. your thoughts can kind of change your life. And I think a lot of us, again, this is one of those things where we understand, okay, fine. If I think happy thoughts, I feel happy. If I think unhappy thoughts, I don't feel happy. But the reality of the situation is that thinking those thoughts has way more of an impact on us than just how we feel in the moment, right? So like it connects to our actions, it connects mm -hmm. to our ne next thoughts. And that to yeah. me is what's so amazing about this idea. Yeah, that's a great point. And I'm, I'm back on track now, but I even wanna use this as a teachable moment, honestly, because there was a time in my life when what I did just there, like lose my train of thought, I would have spiraled into, oh my God, what is wrong with me? I'm so yeah. stupid. Blah, blah. There would have been a torrent of negative self-talk. Yeah. I've learned to manage things to the point where I'm kind of like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's me. Sometimes I lose, you know, I do. I forget what I said five seconds ago sometimes. Yeah. No big deal. Let's just move on. Mm -hmm. What I was trying to say was, even when I signed up for that alcohol experiment, I did it with the intention of getting back to normal drinking. In other words, I wasn't even open to the idea yeah. that I was going to give up drinking. Right. I just needed to get this problem under control. But because I was willing to listen to you and Annie say, you know, your life could be a lot better without, without drinking. I didn't believe it at the time, but I believed it that much. And then I was willing to go on, you know, to take that next step, 30 days. Okay, I didn't do 30 days, 30 days is done. No, I'm gonna do 30 more. And, and you know, as the year progressed, my alcohol-free mindset got stronger and stronger because mm -hmm. I went in and looked at each of those pieces of content. I questioned all these beliefs I had about alcohol, why it should be part of my life, why I wanted to drink. Was it really giving me what I thought? Okay, so that's at the level of content. And I, I don't know if I'm answering the question you just asked, but come back to it because yeah. I kind of want to go on a roll here. So, um, so that's content, right? But then there's, the, there's structure. Now, here's what I mean. Let's take the thought I used to have, which is I actually thought I was a better person when I was drinking. I actually thought like a, if I was going to socialize or if I was going to, I don't know, get on a call, you know, phone call with a particular person, I better take a couple of drinks first because I want to loosen up. I want to be funnier. I want to be more engaged. I want to be, you know, whatever. 
Well, there's that's the thought. So we can look at the content and go, well, is that true? Is that really true? And what I learned when I explored that was I was getting feedback from people around me, like, actually, <laughs> actually, uh, I mean, and sometimes, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I was loads of fun. I don't want to pretend that wasn't true. Yeah. But in general, it was like I was losing, like people felt distant. People felt like mm. I even had my best friend come to me and she said, um, I kind of miss the old Robbie. That's what people used to call me. Yeah. People that know me from college and I kind of miss the old you. And it was like, wow, okay content now structure and even structure has multiple levels <laughs> sorry to be so complex but it's complex yeah structurally what am i doing i'm looking outside of myself or something like the structural foundation on which the idea oh i need to drink to be better is built on a structure that says i don't have what it takes in here yeah i don't i need something outside of myself and that is a pretty pervasive, and I'm not trying to get political or anything here, but in this culture, a lot of our, a lot of our, well, let me put it this, let me be specific. The alcohol industry is predicated on selling you that idea. Mm -hmm. The idea that you need this external thing. You need this thing outside yourself in order to be whatever, a better version of you, a sexier version of more, you know, what, <laughs> that hilarious commercial like, I am the most, what is it? The most fantastic man in the world. Most, like, yeah, what an interesting man. The most interesting, interesting man in the man world. world. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see alcohol advertisements with people, you know, puking in the gutter or, 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 or you know, or even worse having, you know, just, you know, drunk driven and, and now yeah. you're, you know, being charged with homicide. You know, that's not too interesting. You know, yeah. so, but point being like, and yet we're sold this idea and it, it's been incredibly effective. It worked on me. I was like, I can never, I'm never going to go to a wedding and not drink. I'm never going to go to a concert and not drink. Mm -hmm. So I started to question the real structure of this idea that I need something outside of me to be a better me. Yes. Right. And so that just brings me to this idea. And we talked about, like, it's called locus of control, or sometimes I think of it as locus of validation. To the extent that I put it outside myself, you know, social science has shown that I, I feel less confident actually because I'm dependent on something else. I feel more anxious. I feel less in control. I think, you know, we might get into talking some about AA because it's an interesting topic. But one of the thing, problems I had was when they said, you're powerless mm. over alcohol. And yeah, when you're in the throes of, of being really, you know, I would say I was addicted, you know, but, but even short of that, a daily habit, yeah, um, it can feel like you're powerless, but for me, bringing the power back was really important. So that's that's two ways of looking at structure. I want to say one more thing about it, but let me just stop there and say, you know, if you had a reaction or a thought. No, I love that, and uh -huh. you know, the the idea of <clears throat> the idea of external versus internal uh, validation um, is one thing that I see a lot of people get hung up on. Um, you know, they get hung up on that because as you point out, like they don't control external validation. Um, and a lot of people I talk to in our programs, it's like, I'll hear, you know, when we start digging into beliefs, I'll hear things like I could never be good enough for my dad. Right. Or I could never be smart enough for my mom. And it's amazing because you're looking at them, putting the blame on themselves for something that they had zero control over. 
Um, yes. And I think recognizing that and whatever the beliefs are that are, you know, that, that, that might be, you know, keeping us stuck, um, that's, that's moving forward. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up the, that, those examples because when I hear a client say, make a statement like that, I mean, that's the first step. The first step in this process is becoming aware. What are these things you're thinking? And notice the kind of effect they're having. Yeah. But I was never enough for my dad. Okay. That is what I end up calling, I like to call it like a blanket statement. I think what happens is when we're young, experiences ha you know, take place and we're too young to really understand or process or we don't have the support. So we kind of, we make sense out of it the best we can and we put it in a drawer and these things accumulate, we, the drawer gets full and then we shut the drawer and we just label it with something like, I'm not enough. Yeah. Part of the work of mindset shift is opening up that drawer like, what does that mean? I'm not enough. First of all, actually, honestly, it doesn't mean a damn thing to me. Enough what? <laughs> are you not? Yeah. Are you? Are we talking about physical looks? Are we talking about intelligence? Are we talking about emotion? You know, connection yes. to emotion. Let's find out because as long as you're just looking at what's labeled on the outside of the door, you have all permission to beat yourself up all day long over yeah, what? Especially if it's over, vague. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But if you get specific, then you can start to question it. And typically when we start to question, it's like, well, actually, hmm, you know, if it's intelligence, well, actually, you know, I, I did pretty good in school, you know, or, or yeah. even just, I navigated my way out of a, a, a difficult marriage or something. I mean, yeah. like you said, you know, um, oh, I, I said this before we started rolling, but just the, our, our tendency to not give ourselves credit and appreciate the progress for the progress yes. we made and to really yeah. focus on the negative and I, I do think there's a cognitive reason for that but I mean it's just it's really common yeah and so yeah yeah awesome well let's dive in I've got a few questions here um okay. so we'll dive in uh I grabbed these from questions that people write into us um I think actually I know Rob you'll have interesting things to say about all of them uh so here is question number one I find that everyone around me drinks, my wife, my friends, and even my kids. It really gets me down. I am starting to feel like I'm gonna lose all of this connection and camaraderie with them when I quit. How do people quit drinking among those who are continuing to drink? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And oftentimes when we, work with people, we have them kind of separate out the reasons why they drink in the categories. And this is kind of, this is kind of falls in the category of society in that, you know, again, back to the earlier conversation, it's so common, it, it's way more common. Well, let's put it this way. It's way more unusual to be a non-drinker than a drinker. Yes. Like it's the right one, now we're working on it. <laughs> it, it. We're working on it. And, it, and, and it's, it's so gratifying to be part of a like to have that level of backup now to know that it's mm -hmm. not we're not just alone and that we don't have to and again not to knock AA but we don't have to be in a church basement and and be really like anonymous but rather it's okay now to say this is what I'm doing this is a healthy choice that I'm making um, but it's the only healthy choice if you take veganism or gluten free or you know dropping sugar. This is the only one that you really have to explain as if you're the one with the problem, right? You know, you're the one making the healthy choice here. You know, you're the one doing what's really good for you. Yeah. Um, I think that's but, an important point though. That's a really important mindset point. 
um, you know, like so often what happens is, you know, we phrase it in terms of I'm missing out, I'm not having fun, but like quite literally, it is the healthy choice to not drink. Um, and there are yes. very few other things, you know, I like to make the point, like there's no other addictive substance that we have to m excuse ourselves for not using. Like mm -hmm. I have never and never planned to apologize for not using heroin, right? But like, yet we, we feel yes. this. And so I think that's an important mindset thing is to realize, wait a minute, not in a judgy way, like, oh, look at them being unhealthy, but more in a just, hey, I'm doing this thing for myself and it's actually a healthy choice. Sorry, I interrupted though. I just wanted to point no, that no, out. No, 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 that, that was the great. I'm really, I'm glad you did. Um, and so, so we do feel this pressure and we do, I mean, it's amazing how many ways alcohol has of kind of worming its way into our social life, our physical bodies, our chemistry, our, you know, which is what makes it such a difficult thing to confront once you feel like you're in that place. So I have loads of fantastic memories of drinking with friends. But one of the things that helped me most with this mindset, shifting this mindset was what you and, and Annie would say so often, which is it's, it's the fun that's fun, it's not the alcohol. Now, I haven't, I haven't run this down, but I have this suspicion, and I, maybe you know, but I don't think alcohol does anything in our brains that our brains can't do for ourselves. In other words, like when it releases dopamine or serotonin or whatever, like those are all things that are in our brains already. It's just that it does it to this extreme extent. Correct, yeah. But not without a cost. <laughs> yes. Because what we want, what our bodies want is balance, want homeostasis. So sure, you'll get maybe that 20 minutes of euphoria or whatever, good feeling. But then as we know, immediately after that, you start to taper into irritability, uncomfortableness, um, uh, craving for more, which again, like I like to think of alcohol as the ultimate loan shark. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, I got some right here. You need it right now, but you're gonna pay me later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, what I've found has been so gratifying is regaining that sense of balance. Like, no, of course I can't on demand create that level of, of a dopamine hit that alcohol does. I mean, that's why alcohol is alcohol. Yes. But what I've cultivated is the ability to take back control of my dopamine uh, dispensary, if you will, by getting back in touch with just what it feels like to have these simple pleasures, these good pleasures of connection, of feeling love, of being present, of feeling good about what's happening right here and now. Um, now it's easy for me to say now, cause I'm on the tail end of it. When you're you know, in the position that you're asking about, it can feel really uncomfortable. It can feel like, oh my gosh, I'm missing out on all the fun. You know, everyone's looking at me funny. Yeah. I have to explain myself, all these things. Yeah. Um, and I've had those moments. I mean, I can remember the first dinner party that I had at my house where everyone was drinking but me. And I had this incredible kind of wave of like, oh, you know? Yeah. But then, but and, and but the the lie, if you will, like the 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 thought that we can pick apart here is like, wait a minute, am I really not part of the group anymore? That's what I asked myself. And so then I looked and I went, well, people are talking to me, I'm laughing. <laughs> I'm communicating and in some ways I feel better than I would if I'm drinking because I'm not anxious about drinking too much. I'm not worried about whether I'm going to get any sleep tonight. I'm not worried about if I'm going to forget what I just said. 
or yeah. making a fool out of myself or my health, I'm calmer. I feel more at peace. And that makes me a better like dinner partner. You know, so, it, it, and it's a little funny because, you know, part of my perspective is having been on this journey for a while. And I know part yeah. of the question is like, well, how do I, how do I face this up front? Um, but hopefully what I'm saying kind of gives, would give you, you know, assuming you were listening and you would ask this question, yeah. some hope. Yeah. Because I found that I so much prefer where I am now to where I was. Yes. And like, I can say that without hesitation or any, you know, any deception. Like I don't, not drinking has become what I like to call an easeful choice for me. It's, it's, it's a no brainer. It's like, yeah, why would I want to do that? Yeah. Well, I think some of it too comes back to this idea of like, what do you control and what don't you control? Right. So like yeah. this, this person who's going to be quitting drinking um, and is worried about that. Uh, one of the things I like to point out all the time is you cannot control how other people react to you. Yes. Right. And so if the conversation is, Hey, you know, if you're talking to your wife or your friends or your kids and you're saying, Hey, I don't, I'm not going to drink. And maybe it's, I'm not going to drink and I'd appreciate it. Like tonight, can we just not, if their answer to you is, you know, to sit and spin, like that is not your fault. Right. And I think understanding that and, First of all, being grounded enough in self to be able to say, you know what, I need this, right? And then secondly, to recognize when that response comes back, as long as you have done what you can to communicate the, you know, from your heart in the best way that you can, if they come back to you with an answer you don't like, that's on them. And I, I think that so often what happens with this, like, what about my friends? What about my wife? What about my you know, drinking buddies? Whatever it is, I think so often what happens with it is we get so worked up and we get so worried about things we can't control, literally cannot control, that we end up letting that stand in our way, right? We end up letting the idea that like, hey, uh, you know, things like, well, I don't want to make them drink alone, like that from a very real, hey, I'm trying to change perspective, that is standing in your own way. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not saying this to sort of beat someone down, but I'm saying it as sort mm -hmm. of real talk no. of like seeing these thoughts and understanding them and then, and then working through them, like you were talking about, Rob, that's mindset, right? That is protecting your mindset and not being a victim to either alcohol or other people's beliefs, but instead yes. being able to say, you know what, this is what I want. This is what I'm doing. And whatever comes up for you is, is what you can work on. Yeah. I love that you said that. And, uh, and two really great points in there. One being like, well, you talked about connecting what I like to say to my clients is that you get to a point where this is between you and you, right? Because we have all mm -hmm. kinds of influences and pressures and like people pleasing is a, is like a really common um, uh, feel. You know, a lot of us, of course, like we care about the people around us. We want them to be happy. We want to please them. But, but when it crosses a line, then you have to have that talk with yourself in the mirror and just yeah. say, this is between you and you, like what, you know, really connect with what your values are, with what you want your life to be. I love that. And then the next thing is, now how do I communicate this in a way that people around me get it? And I think you, you know, you were, you were, I mean, you were talking about what would happen if they don't, and that's not happened. Yeah. But, but most of the time, what I find is the people that are closest to you, they do, they get it. 
I, you know, I, I've told the story, you know, I have this party that I go to every year up in New England and my best friend is there. It's the one time every year we see each other. He's from Maine, by the way. Oh, <laughs> he's, wow. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, and, and, and we've had some amazingly crazy and wonderful times drinking and we have, you know, I don't want to pretend like that wasn't the case, but I, it got to, you know, but the last time I went to that party, that was a freaking nightmare. I mean, it was just, you know, it culminated in, in him, it's hard, him literally calling around rehabs in Vermont, wanting to drive me there right away. Yeah. And, and then in the end, he drove me to a hospital in Brattleboro. I'm just saying like, it was, it was one of the worst moments of my life. So he just came to visit me uh, a couple of months ago. And it was great because, you know, part of the real benefit of going alcohol free has been, I have a level of just emotional balance and enjoyment and clarity and calm that just makes everything, you know, feel, I don't know. I'm just, I'm enjoying my life a lot. What can I say? So I was so excited to have him visit. And I have, you know, one thing that you need to cultivate as a sobriety coach is absolute neutrality on whether people drink or not. And it sounds weird. And of course I've got yes. my opinions and I'll have my feelings, but you really like, if you come across as trying to tell anybody what to do, like, I don't do that. I don't give advice. Yeah. I don't, you know, so I sometimes even to a default, uh, I want to make sure that people know that if you want to drink, it's perfectly, you're fine. You know, I, I don't have any. And so I was like, you know, I even said, do you want me to pick you up a bottle or something? You know, you know, when I go down to the grocery store and he looked at me, he said, you know, I really would like to try, not try, but I really would like to spend some alcohol free time with you. And I was like, so touched. Like yeah. I felt, but he was being serious. Like he wanted yeah. to do that. And I mean, like they had some drinks at some point in the trip. It wasn't like, sure. but, but the point was like, he came through with that level of support and we did have an amazing night without drinking, you know? And so, so there's that piece, <laughs> you know, that, that oftentimes I guess what I'm saying, you know, and it could speak directly to this person. When you take the risk to be vulnerable, it could go not so well, but oftentimes it goes better than you think. <laughs> mm, I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. So I'm going to do, let's do one more question. And then I want to get to our uh, curveball question. Okay. I'm looking forward to this one. This is, I made a list of them. And this is one that I'm like, I can't wait to ask someone. Um, oh <laughs> so enough pre-framing that. Um, so let's talk about this one. Uh, this is another one that was written in. The question goes like this. Can we talk about how many times I've tried to quit? Over and over, year after year, it's been a long line of day ones. I am so tired of this. How can I shake the feeling that trying this is just a waste of time? Now, Rob, I picked this one out for you specifically because I think this is 100% a mindset question. <laughs> no, this yes. idea that this whole thing is a waste of time. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, and, and it is a great question because, well, I hear this question actually framed in a number of ways. Oftentimes the way I hear it is this, I've, I've got all the information. I've read this naked mind. I've listened to the podcast. I know it all. I'm still drinking. What the hell, you know? Yeah, what's wrong I with it? Yeah. Yeah, what's, yeah. That's, that's key. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to that in a second. Like that's where, that's where it goes. And again, I think that's a long, you know, we tend to blame ourselves. Another strong difference I have with AA, we tend to blame more, put the more of the finger blame on the drink than on the drinker. 
I yeah. believe it's about having some character defect or some genetic predisposition. Or, I mean, maybe, you know, whatever. I mean, it's a whole other topic. <laughs> but, um, but it can be super frustrating. And so this is why I said earlier on, changing your mindset is a piece, but it's not the only piece. So sometimes like there's, there's three aspects to changing a behavior or to adopting a behavior. There's motivation. So that has to do with mindset shift. And it's super important. Like it's, it's what do they say? It's, um, it's necessary, but not, not always sufficient. In other words, like yes. you've yeah. got to do the mindset work. It's crucial. But there's also, so the second part of it though, it has to do with availability. And, and now we're talking, how easy is it for you to drink? What's your environment like? How can you set up your environment so that both it's harder to drink, but also um, there's other alternatives for you. Yes. So that you're, you know, which brings you to the next part, which is the cue or the trigger. So what is it that, you know, cause it's always there. Like anything you do happens because something either you had a thought or something reminded you in your environment. So how can you set up your cues so that either they're different cues or you're putting in a new pattern where it's like, if this cue, then I'm going to do this different thing, not drink. You know, I'm going to go for a run or I'm going to go post mm -hmm. on, on the Naked Mind website or I'm going to talk to a friend or I'm going to, you know, write down in my journal. All right. So, so I guess part of the thing there is that don't lose heart. Know that it is a super, you know, I like to call quitting drinking an El Capitan, climbing El Capitan level feat. It's no small feat. Yeah. I mean, there's 50, estimated 15 million people in the United States alone that suffer from what they call, they're calling out alcohol use disorder. Like you can just look around and see how, or look at, you know, all of our journeys, it took us time to get there yeah. and that's okay. That's part of it. So, and that's why coaching is valuable and not, not just coaching, but that's why it's valuable, you know, since this is so complex to reach for a complex set of um, solutions, not just one. So that's my recommendation. And without really getting the specifics, I'm not sure, sure what the next step should be. But the next piece is, has to do with what you said, like what's wrong with me? Because one of the things that is most, I think both freeing and radical about our approach is like, we really emphasize letting yourself off the hook, like getting yes. out of the cycle of shame and blame and guilt, right? And, you know, <laughs> what <laughs> it can sound completely contradictory for a naked mind coach, any in particular who says, yeah, I quit drinking by not trying to quit drinking. <laughs> like, yeah. what? What is We're that? Trying but, to quit. Yeah. Yeah. But what we're talking about, I mean, she was just talking about on our call, I think it was yesterday, like those voices of shame and blame are so loud. It's like, boom, boom, you know, it makes it hard to do anything else other than hear that voice. And when we hear that voice, what happens? We feel anxious, we feel scared, we feel upset. Yes. And what do we do? We reach for, you know, <laughs> I, I, I wrote this article called, um, I'm not an alcoholic, but I sure used to drink like one. And, <laughs> and, and, it, and it talks about how when I was, when I first, like I went through a period in my journey when I did adopt the label. I was like, okay, yeah. I throw in the towel. I, I read this yeah. list. You know, there's all these lists. I am one. And I said like, you know, it, you know, oh, whoopee. I went immediately to the liquor store. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. did. Right. And I was like, oh, great. Well, you know, I mean, it didn't help. Yeah. It didn't help. And that's why I, you know, 
I refuse and not as a matter of like argument and not as a matter of like wanting to invalidate anyone who do, does choose to adopt that label because if it works for you, fantastic. But yes. literally like that's not who I am. I didn't want to adopt a label of this substance that was causing me so much grief. Why would I want to spend my life identifying my, putting my identity in that basket? Yeah, why do I want to do that? Yeah, right. you know, the biggest so, thing that comes up for me when I hear this question, and it's actually, <laughs> I feel like we keep coming back to this point, but discounting your own experience. Like every single day one that this person talks about, every single one of those is an attempt. That's effort, right? There's data in all of those. So not only are those data yes. points, but this is the process, right? Um, I know this sounds kind of circular, but the reality of the situation is, you know, we talk about this all the time, that it's not a straight line, right? right. From the, the day we think, you know what, I might want to do something about alcohol to the day we're like, wow, I haven't thought about alcohol in six months. That is not a journey that, you know, is straight and clear for all of us. There are ups and downs and there are setbacks. And I think categorizing this whole thing and, and really thinking of it as a waste of time, um, that's gonna that's gonna hold us back, right? That's gonna let me put it this way. If you were to talk about some sort of exercise, let's say you start lifting weights at the gym down the street. Um, and when someone asks you about lifting weights, you say, Oh man, it was amazing. Like it was hard, but I just feel so much better. Or if your answer is it sucks and it hurts, right? Which one of those? Are you going to be more likely, you know, if you're saying which one of those is going to be more likely to get you out of bed at the gym the next day, it's going to be the positive one, right? And so every way that you're framing this for yourself, so we're framing this idea of this is just a waste of time. I'm totally, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to change this while those thoughts are there and they are real and we all have them. One of the things to understand and realize is that these thoughts are temporary, but that they also have an effect on you as you keep going. So take yeah. those day ones, look back over those day ones and, you know, maybe there's something you can pull from it, right? Even if, even if the thing you can pull from it is like, I'm glad, you know, if you, let's say I had someone actually say this to me once I was, I was working with a, a client and he was talking about how he had driven home drunk. Um, and he had talked about how it wasn't the first time that he did it. And so I'm, you know, trying to pull this out of him, right? Because he's coming, he's coming with, I'm so stupid. I'm so reckless, you know? Um, and so in, in pulling this out and getting him to frame it in a way that, um, not that driving drunk is positive, but that like he's trying and he's moving forward. He eventually said, thank God I didn't get in an accident. Like that's something I'm grateful for. I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, that's <laughs> good. That's a, that is a yes. way to frame it. It doesn't necessarily excuse any behavior, but if the default thought over and over is I suck, this is a waste of time. You're, you're going to, you're going to talk yourself out of quitting. Yeah. 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 I love that. And you know, again, two really good points jump out at me from what you just said. One is I love how you've helped point us in the direction of the importance of positive emotion and how it's positive emotion that create habit. And it's positive. I mean, all the reasons why you might want to stop drinking, that's important. Like it's important to, to focus on what you want to move away from, but I think even more important to, in, to appreciate and celebrate and feel grateful for the things that you're moving towards and yeah. generating that sense of positive emotion. 
And that, and again, that's why I feel like this naked mind is so valuable, the group programs or having a coach because one of the roles we play for each other is, is, is like, it's not just coach, it's cheerleader, right? It's like, yeah. yes, you know, let's celebrate this together. Celebration, I think, you know, is gonna be one of the new frontiers of people realizing counter to what we are, again, we touched on a couple of times, this tendency we have to focus on automatic negative thinking. It's so pervasive. Yes. What mindset shift is about is adopting a habit of automatic positive thinking. <laughs> right? I like that. Automatic yeah. positive thinking. Yeah, and yeah. It makes so much sense. And, and I also really like what you say about um, each part of the journey being important, even if it's finding the silver lining and in, in, in drunk driving. Like I, it's, I know that's a, a difficult example, but yeah, I, I like to use the metaphor of buzzer beaters, right? Like in basketball, we love them, right? <laughs> there's, you know, there's 20 seconds or 0.5 seconds left or something and they're down by two and they involve, you know, and throw from half court, you know, and it's like, everybody goes wild. And sometimes in this path, when, you know, people think about mindset shift as a buzzer beater. It's like, when am I going to get it? When am I going to get yeah. to that point where it's like the lights come on? But here's the thing. Every point that got scored in that game went towards the win. Like you had to score that point, that first point in quarter it. one and that, you know, 38 point in quarter. Get into a habit of, well, but let's take a look. Like, how are we moving towards it? What did you learn? What, you know, were you able to um, go, you know, do five minutes of journaling before you decided to go, before yeah. you you took that drink, whatever. Because that's where you start to tip the scale in the other direction, to build up a momentum of someone who is is making a new choice. I love that. And I, that's a perfect place uh, to leave that one. Uh, Rob, I want to ask you, uh, this is a hotly contested question uh, around my house. This is the uh, this is this episode's curveball question. Are you ready? Uh, we'll find out. What we <laughs> uh, is is a thumb a finger? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, you heard it first. <laughs> Uh, thank you for being a good sport about and that. Yeah, I, don't I, I anyone, love asking I don't, things. I don't think anyone calls it that. So it's, I mean, what it reminds me of is just how we, I mean, Anais Nen said, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. So, I mean, yeah. we all have this agreement that that's what, you know, and, and again, in, in relation to mindset shift, if, if you think of it as a, if you think of thoughts as a cage, you want to get right up there and go like, oh, okay, one of the bars on my cage is this is a thumb. Does that work for me? Yeah, it works fine. But sometimes a lot of the, the what's written on the bars doesn't work. And the thing about having a coach is like the answer on how to get out of the cage is written on the outside of the cage. Yeah. The coach is outside the cage. They can see it, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, that, I mean, I, ha I have a, you know, I have multiple coaches, you know, so they see things that I can't. And that again is related to mindset shift in that, you know, sometimes I think of it as a process of broadening, broadening yeah. your perspective, broadening your, your choice, your, you know, so yeah, <laughs> even the thumb question, I can talk about. 
All right. Well, Rob, thank you so much. Uh, this was awesome, as always. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? Yeah, well, um, my website is recoverfreedom.org. And you can go there. If you're interested in exploring one-on-one -on -one coaching, you can schedule a free discovery call, which is just a chance for us to get to know one another, for me to find out what you're looking for and explain what my program has to offer, see if it's a good fit. Um, and but even those calls, most people come away with some value, even if they don't choose, yeah. to, you know, so it's kind of like a no brainer. It's like a, a free session, um, but also, you know, join my mailing list. And as I roll out programs and other, you know, exciting things to announce, then you'll get to hear about them. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again, Rob. And thank you to everybody listening. Uh, I am Scott Pinyard. I will be back next month with another edition of Coaching Questions. Until then, take care. Awesome. And thank you. If you asked me about the one thing that makes this naked mind so different from anything else, I would have to say emotion. It's the emotion people feel when they're really ready to make a change, when they've had that mindset shift, when they've gone through all the materials and the methodology, and they get this feeling that they're never going to get to drink again, they let that go and they think, oh my gosh, I never have to drink again. That change in emotion. And honestly, according to all sorts of new research, it is emotion, especially positive emotion, more than anything else that predicates how long a change in our behavior will stick and how long it will last. It's emotion. And so when you feel excited about a change in your life, when you're thrilled, you're making this new different change instead of feeling deprived or like you've been missing out, everything changes. And that's really what makes this naked mind stick for the long term. That's what makes it so different is we focus on how you feel and truly change your emotion around drinking. And if that sounds interesting to you, I want you to check out our self-guided path at naked mindpath.com. Enrollment in this program is closing on June 11th, so you don't want to miss it. It's closing now, and this is the path to changing your emotion and changing your feelings so that you can really, truly find freedom in your relationship with alcohol. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.